Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We all know it's been rough going for the market, though we've actually had a bit of an uptick, and we might actually squeeze out a gain for the week, but things at large don't look good. And knowing that, we've been talking to our trusted gains experts, many of them who've given us the heads up that things were headed in the wrong direction. So we're going to continue the discussion on how to navigate the current down market. I'm Andy Gersher, and this is Gaines. So let's bring on Matt Matigan. CEO, Blue World Asset Managers in Chicago. And hey, be sure to check out Matt's blog, blueworldam.com. Matt, always glad to have you on the Gaines Podcast. How you doing? I'm doing well. How about you? I cannot complain. And a lot better than markets in the economy, at least as of late. I mean, the taping, we've had actually this week a little bit of a a tick up in the last few sessions, but uh, things really aren't good. And that's why I'm bringing you on, Matt. You know, lots of talk about recession, what investors should do right now. How Where do you see the market? Uh, the market right now uh, is kind of in a, a danger zone for the, especially for the, the more novice investor. Uh, we've had this little bit of an uptick this week. It, it's an ill-conceived way to say, hey, maybe we've hit bottom and we're going back up. This is the typical volatility that occurs when we're in the trough. And the economic data that they are referring to as quote-unquote good or better uh, is actually still very, very weak, just not quite as weak as was forecast for the month. Uh, so things have certainly not turned the corner to head north, and there's going to be more weak economic data coming out uh, as we move forward through this month and this quarter. So these little, these little kind of, and I think we talked about this before. This is one of those little head fakes. There's so much talk about recession, and some people say we're not in a recession. Some people think that the Fed is going to give us a soft landing. Others are, we're already in a recession. Where are you at with, uh, you know, looking economically, where are you at on the, the recession discussion? Okay. Uh, keep in mind, as I, as I will often do as qualify or at least explain the basis of, of what I'm thinking, I'm going based on 
the current level of the Blue World Economic Index. We've talked about that before. That is where I follow and use a proprietary system uh, to index the current short-term and long-term trends of over 50 economic reports every month. Based on that, I'm going to tell you with tremendous confidence, we are already in a recession economically. Now, that by the technical definition of recession, uh, have we posted those numbers yet? No, those will come later in the month. However, I want everybody to realize that when it comes to recession, there is no flip of a switch. Uh, the, the, I, there's this thought that you flip the switch and say, okay, the recession started here, uh, and you draw a straight line out from there, and it either goes down a little bit more, or comes up a little bit more, and then finally it ends, and, and the thought is you flip the switch and it's over. It doesn't look like that. A, a recession is never determined at its actual beginning and end by technical indicators. These things are always determined retrospectively. And because it's only in retrospect that you can look back at the graph and you see that U shape or that V shape of all of the economic data that contributes to the determination of when something started and when it ended. So by the Blue World Economic Index, I can see that we are already on the downslope, and uh, you know clearly you look at the markets over the last uh, six months, we are clearly on the downslope there, and that's reflective of the economic data, which doesn't always happen. Uh, but I'm gonna tell you with confidence, uh, two years down the road, when we're looking back, they're gonna say, okay, yeah, this, this recession really started uh, probably Q4 of 21, maybe Q1 of 22. Uh, but uh, by my data, we are, we are solidly in it right now. And it feels like a recession for a lot of folks. And, and, and it's a little different this time, too, because we're starting to see the turn on the, the economy to the downside. But this is with a backdrop of higher prices, uh, inflation, higher fuel prices. So it, it it makes this a little different than the downside that we've seen in the past because, you know, they could always just throw money at it to try to goose things. It, they can't do that now. And, and, it, and if they do, things could get a lot worse, especially on the inflation front. Yeah, right. What they've been doing going all the way back to the um – Going all the way back to the big stimulus and the aggressive, uh, you know, Fed filling up the balance sheet back in 2008, what we are experiencing right now uh, is the the collapse of that house of cards. Uh, if you think of currency as being no less dependent on the laws of supply and demand as anything else. The only thing that should cause a government to print more currency is because GDP has risen and there is a demand for more tokens of legal tender. Well, right. we, we have been printing money in the absence of that. We've been, we've been improving our GDP. You know, it was going up. We bottomed out of that last recession. 
after the mortgage crisis in, in somewhere in 10, if I recall. And we've been trending up in GDP ever since. But the pace at which we have been printing money that was not supported by the increase in GDP, they, this we've been talking, you and I have been talking about this for years, right? This outcome was always inevitable. This has been so long time coming. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like the pyramid scheme. Eventually, eventually a, a pyramid scheme, uh, a Ponzi scheme will always fail eventually because at some point the input at the bottom will no longer be able to support the payments at the top and the thing will collapse. And, and that's, that's really the same. I'm not suggesting that, you know, the whole thing was a Ponzi scheme, but it is the same model. Right. The concept, I I get the concept you're throwing out there. I mean, the whole thing isn't necessarily a Ponzi scheme, but the, the way the economy and the market has been driven mainly by, you know, the Federal Reserve policy. There's a lot of components to it. You could make that correlation. Oh, sure. Yeah. When when you keep pumping currency into the bottom, eventually it will no longer support the purchasing power at the top. And then you get runaway inflation and Oh, gosh, when has that happened? Oh, yeah, this year. Um, there were a lot of catalysts that came together uh, that finally blew this house down. And now the same people who were instrumental in creating the problem are being looked to to solve the problem. And I am, as far as I can tell, I, I don't think it's a 50-50 mix. It's about a 50-50 mix of those like me who are saying we're already in a recession and those who are saying, nope, from a technical point of view, we're not there yet. Uh, I don't think the mix is 50-50. I think I'm more in the minority when I am arguing loudly against the idea that this particular inflationary period can be uh, can be aided by increasing interest rates. I think this is the worst time to raise interest rates. Well, and then there's the energy component. And there's one other thing I want to throw in the discussion that I find really interesting is, you know, you're seeing at the state level, various states throwing out checks to kind of pad they're calling it, they're almost like, they're like stimulus checks, basically, but they're calling them, you know, uh, to help with inflation. You get enough states doing that, that's no different than the federal government doing what they've been doing the last couple of years, and this is going to end up making problems a lot worse, and I want you to explain that. I think you probably gel with me on that. Oh, I absolutely do, and, you know, we can look at it this way. You've got one entity, the federal government, pumping currency into the economy that neither the neither the buying mood uh, nor the GDP can support, and that will create and exacerbate an inflationary state. Now, we can turn around and say, okay, let's not have one entity do that. Let's have 50 different little entities do that, and we have the exact same problem. It is the exact same problem, only now it's exacerbated because the federal government hasn't stopped doing it. 
and, and explain gonna, why they haven't stopped doing it. I mean, I know they've been pulling back, and we've talked about rates, but explain that real quick. You hear a lot of talk about this quantitative easing and and the government, uh, you know, deleveraging its balance sheet and all that. And you know, they love to use those big words because nobody knows what they mean. But the truth is, when they talk about slowing the stimulus. Everybody thinks that means the government is going to stop trying to prop up the economy by pumping money into it. And the money they pump in is nothing more than refinancing short-term debt, in other words, bonds, for longer-term debt. It is the very definition of kicking the can down the road. And all the while, the interest on the debt that the government is taking on keeps rising. That's a great point. Because we're also seeing rates heading higher. Well, then it costs more to service debt as well. You know, touch on that as well. Yeah. Every, everywhere from the federal government, every, every time the federal, you know, I, I will ask people, okay, what's a bond? Well, I don't know. It's something you buy. Well, a bond is nothing more than a loan. It's a debt. And the government is heavily, heavily financed. By debt. Now, when you think about the sheer magnitude of the taxes we pay, the taxes we pay is not a fraction of what this government spends in order to keep itself going. It also borrows money. And the terrible thing is it borrows money not just from us, but it, it borrows money from China. It borrows money from, you know, we've got bonds out there all over the world. Now, as the interest rates rise, it affects everything from the amount of debt the government has and the debt service. You know, they have their minimum payments come due, too. And everybody from the federal government to state governments to municipal governments, right down to consumers with credit card debt, are all having that debt expand geometrically by virtue of the interest rates rising and rising as rapidly as they are. So I, I think we've talked about this before, too. Not all inflation is caused by the same phenomena. And we don't have a roaringly hot economy right now where prices are rising because demand can't or supply cannot keep up with demand because people are buying so feverishly that supply can't keep up. That's not what's driving this inflation. So if, if what you have is a very, very weak economy with highly inflated fuel prices and, you know, from energy prices comes everything else, you have a very weak economy, a struggling economy, economy that is arguably in or on the verge of recession, and the Fed's answer is to turn around and make money even more expensive to get. It all comes back to energy. If the Fed's getting aggressive on rates, that's not necessarily going to be addressing the real core, that energy issue. I mean, it's it may cause issues in other areas that it really shouldn't. And, and, and I want you to touch on that. We're going to take a break real quick, but touch on that before we go to break. Well, it's the it's the powder keg that we were talking about earlier. You and I have seen this coming for years. You keep pumping this borrowed money into the economy and you're printing money that isn't supported by an increase in GDP. In other words, 
there's not the growing demand for additional currency, but you're throwing it out there anyway. Uh, you know, counterfeiting counterfeiting was illegal unless the Treasury does it, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, you know, that's, that's pretty funny, but it's it's very true, right? It is true. It is true. You know, it sounds funny, but it's not. It's it's really really bad. And what this is the you and I have talked about how this has been building up for years because all this money was getting pumped in. Well. They were able to get away with it as long as the economy was strong. Now that the economy started to struggle as a result of fuel prices started this, you know, this has been building up for years. And the rapid overnight skyrocket of energy costs, that was the fuse that finally blew up the keg. And we're going to talk with Matt about how investors can navigate all of this when we get back from the break. But first, be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We will be back with Matt right after the break. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. All right, back with Matt Batigan, CEO of Blue World Asset Managers in Chicago. Check out Matt's blog, blueworldam.com. And uh, Matt always shares his email as well, so why don't you throw that at the uh, Gaines listeners if they have any questions for you, Matt. Sure. It's M-M-A-T-I-G-I-A-N at blueworldam.com. You know, as we were heading into break, I was teasing on how do you navigate with this? And a lot of people that I've talked to, they know it's bad. They say it's too late to sell if you haven't. But a lot of people are coming up short with any kind of real actionable things right now. Matt, do you have any ideas for us, uh, for the Gaines listener, as we are dealing with with not a very rosy situation. I continue to buy the dips 
on things that people have to have and are getting more and more expensive. Uh, so anything fuel related, anything energy related, metals, I think, are going to start to heat up and the commodities. And I'm not talking about going out and buying the futures, but you and I, over the course of time, have expressed our love and affection for uh, the two Korean products, the uh, ETFs for corn and wheat and sugar and soybeans. They're inflated, but if you've been paying attention, there's been a pretty nice pullback. Yes, and many of the commodities you just mentioned have seen short-term recent pullbacks Uh, Yes, we've seen dips in fuel, copper, other commodities. There are opportunities to get in on some of these assets. Yeah, and and that's I was just going to say that there are opportunities in every market. The more important thing, as and and we've beaten this to death, you and other guests have beaten this to death, but I don't think we could ever say it enough. Don't sell especially now. If you were going to sell, that was a long time ago. Selling now is super dangerous. Even if we go a good bit lower, just hit on that real quick and then continue. The point is you need to think of these different, you you look at your portfolio and four months ago, it was worth, you know, let's say it was worth $10,000 and you look at it now and it's worth $7,500 And you say, oh, my gosh, I've lost 25%. I've lost $2,500. No, you haven't. What you have experienced is a fluctuation in the value of your portfolio. Nothing more, nothing less. It is not a loss until you make it real by selling. An increase, when your portfolio goes from $10,000 to $12,500, That is not a $2,500 profit yet. It is merely a fluctuation in the value of the portfolio. So the worst thing that you can do is take a negative fluctuation in value and turn it into a real loss. One of the most important things I ever learned, close friend of mine, uh, an accountant, uh, back when I was starting my very first business ever, He said, I want you to remember, Matt, profit is opinion. Only cash is fact. Don't take a negative fluctuation and turn it into a realized loss. Is all of your stuff going to come back 100%? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, but most of it will. Most of it will. The worst thing you can do is sell at the bottom. And I, I don't even buy that we're at the bottom yet. I'm there with you. We've talked about it. The Dow theory, and I mention it all the time, indicates there's really good chance that there'll be a retest. And the way things are shaping up, I would not be surprised if it gets hit harder. But you and I have seen in the past where people have gotten out and they just never get back in. And, and, And you're better off being in, especially at this point, you're just better off holding tight especially if, if you've had a pretty decent quality portfolio going into this, you, you're better off holding because when the thing turns, and we talk about it all the time, you don't want to be left behind because then uh, those losses that you've taken are real, and then you'll kick yourself because 
a lot of that stuff will come back. Right. Uh, the markets have always gone down, and the markets have always gone up, and they will continue to do that. The worst thing you can do is turn an unrealized fluctuation in value into a realized loss because at times like this, that realized loss may be enough to prevent you from ever getting back into the game. That's really great advice, and and, and, and people should keep that in mind. Now, if you see it lower, you, know, you mentioned some of the plays that you're buying the dips on oil, metals, commodities. We even talked, you know, even ag, agriculture. Um, you know, we've talked about shorting the market. You could pick your spots right now to short, but... There, there's a little danger to that as well. There can be, depending on what vehicles you're using to short. Uh, the uh, if you're shorting S and P 500 mini futures, uh, I, you know, I hope you have ten million dollars in play money, right? <laughs> That's, right, uh, right. That, that can be very, very dangerous. Uh, also, shorting any individual stock can also be dangerous. However. There are other vehicles that are what I call defined risk vehicles that are low risk, high reward. And the law of gravity in investing says in order to make more, you have to risk more, right? Well, that doesn't have to be true. Uh, For example, I could go and let's say that I was going to short sell 100 shares of the Spider ETF, the SPY. Uh, that would mean that I would have to borrow uh, wherever it is right now, you know, $35,000 uh, worth of SPY shares for my broker and hope that the S&P dropped. If it went the other way, well, you know that then I'm going to have to uh, you know buy very very high and sell very very low. But what you can do is spend two hundred dollars on a spider put. And again, we and we've talked about this, and you may check out that episode. What Matt's talking about is, is the options play. Correct. A put, just to review real quickly, a put is the right to sell. 100 shares of stock for a predetermined price for a predetermined amount of time. Now, what that means is, let's say for the sake of argument, the S&P 500, uh, the spiders are right at 350. Well, if you sell a put with a strike price uh, or buy a put with a strike price of 350 and say you spend $250 uh, to buy that put, and within a few days, the S&P falls out of bed, and it's a great, it's a great time to, to make that play now because we have this volatility on the way down. Well, that put could easily go from being worth $250 to $750 in a matter of a few days. Right, right. So you, you, you have a really, really high probability of success. Uh, or or of a, a very, very solid gain, yet you're only putting $250 at risk. Your maximum possible loss is $250, no matter what else happens. And again, if you go back, there was a gains episode that Matt and I did 
on options. And you have to look at options as an insurance policy. And if it goes in your favor, it can really work for you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you can you can use you can use the puts, the options. You can use those puts as direct one-to-one insurance against individual stock positions, or you can use them to hedge an entire portfolio by buying puts on an index that closely matches your portfolio uh, and almost across the board, the S&P 500 is all you'll ever need to do that unless you have a portfolio that is 100% dedicated to tech in which case you're going to buy a QQQ put to hedge the portfolio, not a spider put. Right. Um, I, you know, but all of that said, these are low-cost investments that do not have anywhere near the level of risk of doing things like, say, shorting stock. When you short stock, your maximum possible loss is infinite. Because how high is up? Right. If you if you were to take 100 shares of the S and P, uh, the S and P 500 or the Spider ETF, and short 100 shares of it, or even if you short 10 shares of it or one share of it, if the stock goes down, that's good for you. But if the if the S and P shoots up, that's bad for you. And because how high is up? There there is no theoretical limit to how high the S&Ps could rise. So if you're short even one share of stock, what you are engaging in is an undefined risk strategy, uh, unlimited risk strategy. On the other hand, you can buy a put for, you know, anywhere $150, $250. And if the S&P goes down, well, you can make very big money very quickly if the S and P shoots up, your maximum possible loss is capped at two hundred fifty dollars. And again, this is this is the difference between the long only buy and hold strategy of just a portfolio full of stocks. This is more three dimensional. This is these are the rules and the tools that you need to know to be able to say I know how to profit from a market that's going up, down, or sideways. And that's important because, uh, you know, a lot of investors, especially new to the market, you know, they're they're more of a buy, the stock moves higher, they sell it for a profit. And this is, is a, a different tactic. And this is why potentially putting this strategy in play in times like this is is really, really smart and a revenue generator. And and two great ways to generate revenue uh, in this market. One, you go long the put, you buy the put, and if the market drops, you profit, right? I, that That's a given. But as you know from past conversations, one of my favorite strategies anywhere in the world is the simplicity of selling the covered call. This market is tailor-made to selling covered calls because a call to review is the right to buy 100 shares of stock for a predetermined price for a predetermined amount of time. 
So if I buy a stock for $20 a share and I immediately, 100 shares, have to be 100 shares. If I buy 100 shares of stock for $20 a share and I immediately turn around and sell a covered call with a strike price of 20 and for that I receive $200, when we get to the expiration period, uh, the expiration of, of the option of the call, we have one of two scenarios. It is trading, the, the stock is trading above 20, in which case the person I sold the call to is going to exercise their right to buy from me at 20. Now that sounds like a break even, right? I bought at 20, I sell at 20. But what we have to remember is that I made $200 cash for selling that call to begin with. So I just realized a 10% profit on a stock that I sold for exactly what I paid for. If we go the other way, if we get to the expiration period and the stock is trading for less than 20, I get to keep my stock. But now my cost basis is no longer $20 a share. It's only $18 a share because I have just pulled $200 cash out of the stock without selling the stock because somebody paid me for the right to buy my stock if it went above 20. If it didn't go above 20, well, I'm going to just, they're not going to buy it, you know, for something below 20. Uh, so I get to keep my stock and I get to keep the $200. My new adjusted basis, cost basis, is $18 a share. What am I going to do now? I'm going to turn around and sell another call. Uh, I, I literally have stocks in my portfolios where my cost basis is less than zero because I pulled more money out of those stocks by selling covered calls than I paid for the stock originally. So it's an extremely powerful tool. And at, you know, to the point you made, this is what made me think of all this. Uh, like you said, you can use this to generate revenue. Well, there's two different ways to do it. Buy the put, sell the covered call. And I cannot stress the importance of the phrase covered call. You cannot sell a call. Well, I shouldn't say you can't. You should never sell a call against stock that you don't own or that you own less than 100 shares of because now you're back into that undefined risk, how high is up scenario. So don't run right out there and start doing this learn about it before you do it. But that's kind of the point here, right? We just want to make people aware. Well, and, and you, that's what I was going to say. We just scratched the surface with this strategy. Um, we went in depth on this uh, on the Gains podcast on December 31st, 2021. If you go back, it's uh, what are options and how can investors use them? Uh, Matt and I do a deep dive into options, cover call strategies, and that kind of thing. And that's what Matt just touched on here. And this is is a great time to implement a strategy like that. So as we're wrapping up today's uh, GAINS podcast, your takeaway, I think some great advice here. You know, again, we s just scratched the surface. And if you're going to implement these strategies, you should, you know, do a little more research and a little deeper dive on that. Or give us your takeaway, Matt, of, of today's conversation and discussion. Do not panic sell that's it yeah and i'm there with you 
And we've seen being both of us being in this kind of stuff for a very long time. That really is great advice because the lost profit, the downside of giving getting out and, and then never getting back in is just detrimental to a person's long-term wealth. As we've seen, the drop is dramatic, but the bounce is oh, more you, dramatic. You know it. Hey, big thanks to Matt Matigan, CEO of Blue World Asset Managers here in Chicago. Check out Matt's blog, blueworldam.com. And, and Matt, give us that email one more time. Sure. M. Matigan. So M-M-A-T-I-G-I-A-N at blueworldam.com, the color blueworldapplemary.com. Be sure to subscribe, follow, leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if that's an option for you. And as always, subscribe and turn on those notifications so you know when a new Gains episode drops. We are back on Wednesday, and I look forward to seeing you then. A News Radio WBBM podcast powered by Odyssey. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus ATT and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.